Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. You know that wages of sin is death. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. You see that contrast there between the spirit and the body. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, that's our first point, the Holy Spirit, the first way that will help the Holy Spirit will help us when trying to reach the lost sinner is that he will lead us. We have to be careful that we're not led by our own way, our own flesh, and our own ideas. So we need to be relying on the leading of the Holy Spirit. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, we're not going to do a deep dive into the sons of God, but the sons of God, that's a spiritual term. In Job 38, we have the sons of God are mentioned when God laid the foundation of the world and they were praising God. They were, they are the sons of God. When you see that show up in the Bible, that's a spiritual term. Those were angelic beings, spiritual beings praising God when he laid down the foundation of the earth. And when you are led by the spirit here in verse number 14, we notice this flesh verse spirit, this spirit verse body, this dead, uh, die verse live. And we are sons of God because we have had a spiritual birth. So we are, we are a spiritual being. We see these sons of God show up in Genesis 6. And that was a bad deal because they intermingled with the daughters of men and you had a mess and it was so wicked. God said, I'm going to flood the entire earth because of the wickedness that was of the earth. You had angelic beings, you had spiritual beings, and they fell, and you had you had that mess. Now you have uh, in, in John one, even them that believe on His name, they have become the sons of God. You become the sons of God. It's a spiritual birth, and at the inception, at the creation, you're sinless because that birth, your soul now is regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God. And that's why we need to mortify the deeds of the body so that we live and we are led by the Spirit. Because if we don't, we'll be pulled around by the deeds of our flesh. The deeds of our flesh. And so we have this we have this problem because we were we were regenerated. We had a spiritual birth. We're the sons of God, yet we're not sinless because we still sin. Right? Yeah, you all the kids, you gotta shake your head. Yeah, right, we do. So that's why when you're witnessing to the lost, you need to be led by the Spirit of God, not by your flesh. You've got to mortify those deeds of the body. Look at verse 14 again. For as many as are led, it doesn't say forced, it doesn't say chained, it doesn't say dragged. 
led? Are you are you willing to be led by God's Holy Spirit? I want to be. You don't have to turn there, but Psalm 143 says, teach me to do thy will for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. And here it is. Lead me into the land of uprightness. The first thing the Holy Spirit will do is will if the Holy Spirit will lead you if you're willing to be led. That's number one. Number two, go back to Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah 45, verse number two. The second thing that the Holy Spirit will do to help you reach lost sinners is the Holy Spirit will go before you. Isaiah chapter 45. Verse 1, thus saith the Lord to his anointed Desiris, whose right hand I have hold and subdue nations before him. I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two eleven gates, and the gates shall not be shut. Verse 2, I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. Don't worry, Cyrus. The Lord's got you. And the Lord will go before you. We are commanded to go. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. That's the command. That's the must. There's no option on that. That's the command from God. Who's going to go before you? You're going to run headstrong into it? Or are you going to rely on the Holy Spirit? Each of us are on our own personal walk, our own personal journey with the Lord as we grow. The big question is, are we going to go with the Holy Spirit or without the Holy Spirit? We need to, we need to go with them. Now, there's a few things in this passage I'd like to draw your attention to. First, we do have a warning. It says, I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. So that tells us that there are crooked places. And God's not going to get rid of the crooked places. You can't get rid of the crooked places. Crookedness permeates every part of our life, it seems like. So there is a warning and God says, look, I don't want you to just go out there headstrong because there are crooked places. So I will go before thee. <laughs> and then there's the promise. And God, I just mentioned it. Look at verse two, the first three words. I will go. God promises that he will go and specifically before thee. It doesn't tell us where he'll straighten the crooked places. It doesn't tell us how he'll straighten the crooked places. But he promised that he would. And in his timing, he will work it out. He promised that he would. So we have a warning we see in that verse. We have a promise that we see in that verse. And there's also a clear-cut plan of action. I will go before, not alongside. Allow the Holy Spirit to go before. Don't go headstrong. And maybe the Holy Spirit is so far ahead. 
of you and me that we can't even see where he's at. And other times, maybe he's right in front of you. You're going to just trip right over. But he better be before you. He better be before you. Psalm 37, verse 23, the Bible says, The steps of a good man are ordered by who? The Lord. And he delighted in his way. It's only the Lord that can straighten the crooked. Only the Lord. If I gave you a bar, a pipe, uh, and, and it was hollow inside, you'd grab both ends and say, bend the, bend the pipe. You probably couldn't do it. Maybe Josiah. He looks like he's pretty tough. I probably could have done it when I was younger. Nah, probably not. But if you had the right fulcrum, if you created the right leverage, you could take it and you can bend it. Now, that's hard enough, isn't it? What if it's already bent up and crooked? And now I say to you, I'd like you to make that straight. Go ahead with your bare hands. You try. I could do it. But if you had the right fulcrum, if you had the right leverage, you probably could get in there and straighten it. But it wouldn't look right because it's already been crooked. It's already been compromised so much that you're probably not going to get it back to where it was. Now, going the opposite way, when you have a straight pipe and you want to bend, you probably bend it to make it look like you want it for whatever project you're doing. God can. God can. It doesn't matter how crooked the path is and how messed up you made it or I made it or we made it. God says he can make it straight. And we trust him. And it's only the Lord that can straighten out the crooks. I'm going to click it. All right. So what did you learn so far? The Holy Spirit will what? Lead you, very good. Number two, he will go before thee. The Holy Spirit will lead you. The Holy Spirit will go before thee. Get Isaiah chapter number 30. Isaiah chapter number 30. Isaiah chapter 30. We'll look at verse... Verse number, start reading at verse 18. And therefore will the Lord wait, that he may be gracious unto you, and therefore will he be exalted, that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. That's a good idea to do. For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. Thou shalt weep no more. He will be very gracious unto thee at the voice of thy cry. Isn't it great to have a gracious God? When he shall hear it, he will answer thee. Verse 20, and though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore, but thine eyes shall see thy teachers. And verse 21 is where I'd like you to be. 
Thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way, walk ye in it when ye turn to the right hand and when ye turn to the left. Not only does the Lord lead you, not only does the Lord uh, go before thee, but the Lord also is behind thee. And you know what he's doing behind me? Thine ears shall hear a word behind thee. How do shepherds move their flock? They guide them from behind. And they get behind that flock. And they have to make sure that the flock doesn't scatter to the right. And they have to make sure that the flock doesn't scatter to the left. And they have to just kind of be behind them with a word. <laughs> just a, a gentle guiding. And that's our shepherd behind us. And a lot of people will tell you, well, this is the way you should go. This is the way you should go. There's a lot of words and there's a lot of voices that echo in our heads. But it's not the Holy Spirit. The world is full of ways to go. And men and women of the world are full of ways to go. Can anybody, you probably can answer this question. The rhetorical question, you know the answer. Can anybody explain to me or you why on any given Sunday during football season, every stadium is packed with not a hundred people, thousands of people. Can anybody tell me why pay-per-view sports on Saturday night comes on late at night and runs for hours? So that people are so worn out, they can't get up for church on Sunday. That's why. What's so super about, about a bowl that happens on Sunday and keeps people out of God's people gathering with his saints? There's a lot of ways to go. You know how many times people have asked me, you know, you really should do, you should, you should host some tournaments on Sunday. You can run a two-day event and get more people. And I say, no. And they say, why? I say, because I'm going to church. <laughs> well, isn't the church the people and not a building? Yes, it is. We're going to go to a building and we're going to see other people that are in the body of Christ. That's what we're going to do. Okay, <laughs> We're going to go to the church house and be with the body of Christ. Because there's many, many ways to go. Why is it that all of these amusement parks scattered all over the United States can bring in droves of people, thousands of people, and families will pay thousands of dollars to be inoculated with the gospel of the dismal world, <laughs> the tragic magic kingdom. And not Hollywood, Dollywood, which is all Hollywood. It's, I mean, like, I, I know Dolly sings gospel songs, but it's not. Do what you want to do. What I'm saying is people are going to do what they want to do anyway. What I'm saying is there are many, many ways to go. And when people, thousands of dollars, hundreds of hours, in all of these different ways. And I'm not arguing to you tonight. 
And I'm not presenting to you tonight that sports is a sin. and Having a good time with your family is a sin. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is we get so derailed sometimes. And we get so far off track. And the next thing you know, I would ask, are we being led by the Holy Spirit? Is he going before us? Is that the voice that we're listening to behind us? Got to be careful. And that's all. That's all I'm saying. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 4 says, I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. They have a big wisdom. Wisdom world. It's the wisdom center in Malaysia. That. You know, Buddhism is a fast-growing religion. You can go, you can go to Malaysia and experience Dharma Day, and you can learn all about false gods. Let me get a plane ticket for that. No thanks. It's the wisdom of the world, and they need a word. And we're going to hear this right now. Hear a word behind thee, the Holy Spirit will guide you, will lead you, will go before you. But when dealing with a lost person, remember if you hear a word behind you, that would mean your back is turned, right? And you know what the lost sinner has to God? His back turned, and he's running the opposite direction. Sinners are stubborn. Sinners are very persistent in their sin. And they do what they want to do. But God has a simple solution, at least this principle we're looking at. He says he's going to go uh, hear a word behind me. It's not a long, drawn-out, philosophical exposition of something. It's simple Bible truth to a sinner. It shouldn't be too confusing. It shouldn't be too vague. It shouldn't be too complex. Simple biblical truth. And it's a word. It says, and thine ears shall hear. A word. God has given all of us the ability to hear and to obey. But God takes the first step behind you and a word. Isaiah 30, look at that verse again. Look in the middle of verse 21. This is the way. Walk ye in it. Pretty simple instructions, huh, kids? Pretty simple. This is the way. God's instruction leaves the sinner without excuse. I know sometimes it's difficult to do, but if you're talking with a lost person, try to leave them without excuse. Simple Bible truth, simple words to the point where get that sinner thinking. This is the way, walk ye in it. There's a number of ways. That's why Jesus said at John 14, 66, I am the way, definite article, meaning the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. Rules out by default Dharma Day. Okay, it rules out 
the Buddhists. Nice people. Nice people. When we lived in Florida, I was selling a farm implement. Had a, a, a nice Buddha, Buddhist man come. He had his Buddhist garb on. He had his bald head. He had his orange robe. He had his flip-flops. He comes up. He wants to buy the, the tiller that I had, a tractor tiller. Well, he bought the tiller. He gave me the money. And after I got the money, I told him about Jesus. <laughs> and, I, and I said to him, his way of life was a simple way of life. Agriculture, helping people, doing good deeds. Probably would make a great neighbor, especially if you're a farmer. These are good people. But in his quest to try to become one with nature, he misses the Savior. And this was my point of all the examples that I had given you. And some you might think are extreme. Some you might think are, well, not sure. Some you might say, but they're all ways. They're all distractions that get people to not think about the Savior. This Buddhist man was a good man. But he had a way, but it wasn't the way. It wasn't the way of Jesus Christ. So we had a good conversation. I said, do you have a few minutes? He told me his belief. I said, do you have a few minutes? Can I tell you my belief? And he said, yes. I said, have you heard of Christianity? Yes. And so I began to tell him the things of Jesus Christ and how Christ came and died for his sins. I gave him the whole gospel, made some analogies that he could understand. And I said, have you ever heard, have you ever heard that? He said, not really that way. We left the conversation with, I said, so what are you going to do about your sin? I'm going to try to be a good person, really, is what he said. Because they're so used to being good guys. You know how disciplined they are? They're going to get up the same time every morning, eat 37 pieces of rice, go out and till the ground for 22 minutes, then sit in a lotus position for 37 seconds. And then they're going to stand on their head for 37 seconds. And then they're, they're going to do a karate chop. For, their whole day is regimented and disciplined. And you'd be, be, you'd be about far-fetched to get a consistent group of believers to go out and witness once a week. But a Buddhist lives a pretty disciplined life. All in the merit of his own good. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but in the end are the ways of death. I gave up a lot of things because I was stubborn, self-willed, and disciplined. And I gave up vices of the world so that I could be successful in the world. I was as lost as I was before I gave up those vices. But then Jesus came. You can be disciplined and stop drinking. You can be disciplined and stop smoking. You can be disciplined and eat a diet of rice and dry potatoes and be on your way to devil's house. Because it is not the way. It's only Jesus Christ. And sinners hear all these words, but they need to hear the word behind them.
hear a word behind thee. Other thing we see in here in verse number 21, watch this. This is the way, walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand. That's the, the, the Those are the right hand sins. Those are the popular sins that everybody's okay with you doing, you know. Well, it's okay to lie a little bit here. And if it, if it helps your family out, you can steal. And, you know, those, <laughs> those are the right hand sins. Uh, and then uh, and when you turn to the left, then the left hand sins, of course, they're, they're the ones that you're embarrassed that you did. You know, well, that was a pretty big lie. That was a pretty grave sin. And, and people have this way of justifying, well, I'm kind of good because I didn't do the really bad. And all that is is just Roman Catholicism uh, warped into calling it something else, but it's the same thing. But these left-hand sins, they're the ones that destroy your reputation, ruin your character. They're the real major ones. Now, if you're a Roman Catholic boy, you'd be in trouble. Because you'd have to go see the priest. And he would give you a long list. It wouldn't be one Our Father and one Hail Mary. It would be, you're going to mow the church. <laughs> and you're going to clean the church house for the next year. And you're going you're gonna to pray for 30 minutes. And by the way, I got all this dirt on you. So you, you, better, mis, you better not misbehave. <laughs> I mean, it was bad. But if you did some right-hand sins, you know, you just got away with a little slap of wrist. That's not the way God works. The wages of sin is death. What do you tell somebody that's just gone a little bit astray to the right? Christ Jesus came in the world to save sin. What do you sell, tell someone that's going so far off, off to the left that they're addicted to the worst sin you could be addicted to? Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. Does the message change because somebody has right-hand sins versus left-hand sins? It don't matter which way you turn. God says, it's this way, my way. we got to stay on track with that. And when that sinner does a complete turn, a right about face, he comes face-to-face with the word. That sinner is convicted of his sin. Number one, Holy Spirit leads you. Number two, Holy Spirit goes before thee. Number three, there's a word behind thee. Let's go to Matthew 28 for the fourth. For the fourth. Matthew chapter 28. Holy Spirit is with you always if you're saved. Matthew 28, you all know this verse, these few verses. And Jesus, verse 18, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. 
Amen. Did God say he's with you always? Then he's with you. But don't we, aren't we able to wrap around our mind or don't we kind of come to grips with the fact that, yeah, okay, it's the, it's three and one. The beginning is the word, words with God, word was God. We have a trinity and, you know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay, they're one. We, we get that. We never question that. But aren't there times where we think, well, it's me. That's like this, the hymn we sung. Jesus loves even me. The Holy Spirit is within you. It's, he's with you. He's never going to leave you. And sometimes we lose sight of that fact. There was such a regenerating work that happened in our life when we trusted Christ. And he said, I am with you always. Never going to leave. You're in union with Christ because of the comforter. Christ promised to his church that the Holy Spirit's presence will be with you. Did you ever think of this? The modern church tells you that God loves you because you're just a big marshmallow. You're just so sweet and fluffy and God just wants to snuggle up with you because you're you. But did you but did you ever think of the thought this way? Why would the Holy Spirit want to stay with me? After all I did, Lord. Yet he says, I will be with you, with you. You trusted him with you. Oh, that's pretty powerful. And it really does bring in a magnifying glass toward the love of God. Yeah, he would stay with you. You've trusted. That's his promise to his church. They'll be with you always. Number five, go over to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. He's not only with us, we'll key in on that he dwells within us on this verse. John chapter 14, start reading at verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. You love them. And I will pray the Father. And he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Further biblically confirms what we just spoke about. He's not going to leave you. And then verse 17 says, even the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive. We went down that rabbit trail a little bit. We won't fully open it up and go back down there again. But all these other places we talked about that just pack people in, they can't see, or they can't receive because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And if you go downtown and you see all the bars filled with people at night, 
don't be dismayed in the sense that it, the Bible tells us the world cannot receive. They don't see what you see and what I see. But you've got something that dwells in you. And if you can get with one of those lost sinners, you might not be able to make an effect, but the Holy Spirit within you, speaking through you, could make an eternal effect. Don't bypass a sinner. Don't bypass a sinner. They need to hear what God says. But it says, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. First Corinthians 1. Why don't you go ahead and turn there. First Corinthians 1. I know you guys, I know you young ones got a, a, a laugh out of the marshmallow, but God's, uh, God's serious about his character. And he loved you enough to die for you because you're a sinner. And as sweet and as good as you may think you are, you're not. And that's why God came and lived a perfect life for you. That's his love for you. He gave his life for you. And I don't want you to get duped into thinking that somehow you're just so great and God loves you so much because you're you. And that's a message that's being taught across this world. God loves you because he is love. And his character is love. He's not willing that any of his creation should perish. That's why he sent Jesus Christ to die for First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 21 says, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It's not like they're a bunch of uneducated people. They had wisdom. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. God says, early chase, I'm going to destroy the wisdom of the wise. Where is the wise? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? And there is a lot of wisdom of this world. First Corinthians chapter 11. Verse number 32. I might have done a blunder there. I did. Never mind. Go to John chapter number 12. John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse number 31. Verse 30, uh, Jesus answered and said in John chapter 12, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And if I, 
and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Does the Holy Spirit dwell within you? You know what your job is to do? To lift up the sun. And when you lift up the sun, he will draw all men toward him. If you lift up yourself, if I exalt myself, if we exalt us, that's a problem. The wrong person's on the throne. And we need to be careful that we are lifting up the sun. Second Corinthians 4 says, in whom the God of this world, there's a God of this world, by the way, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. If you put your hand over your eyes, you can't see what's in front of you. If you have your mind blinded, you can't think straight. And we need to bring the light of the glorious gospel to them. First John 3 says, and he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. Hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. We want that spirit to bear witness to the sinner. All right, last one, number six. Holy Spirit will come on. Uh, I'm sorry, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Acts chapter one. Acts chapter one, verse. Verse number seven, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Verse eight, but ye shall receive power. This isn't physical power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Ye shall receive power. Everybody wants power. It used to be you could be a power ranger. Okay. It was the wrong kind of power. Everybody wants uh, a power aid. They want to get an energy drink to give them some power. That's not the type of power we're talking about. It's not physical power. It's not intellectual power. The power of God through his Holy Spirit. And that's what we need to be able to tap into. And if we can bottle that, we can have some revival. Intellectual power is, is dangerous. We have to remind ourselves, all of us have to be reminded, we're not going to convert lost souls by winning intellectual arguments. You might have a flash of impressiveness, and you might win that argument, but that flash is gone. The word of God, you get that in their heart, it won't leave them. It won't leave them. That's what you want to get in their heart, some truth. Physical power ain't going to do it. Intellectual power is not going to do it. Power of eloquence, it's great to be able to speak well. But Moses was slow of speaking. God used Moses. We're trying to be people that we shouldn't be trying to be. Be the person that God made you to be. 
Don't rely on your intellectual power. Don't rely on your eloquence of words. Moses didn't have that. Yet God used him in a mighty way. God can use you. But you need to know your words won't regenerate a dead corpse. God's words will. You get a dead corpse, you're going to hook up your jumper tables to your car, to that body. You're going to get some sparks, but nothing's going to happen. And you want to try to use your words, the wisdom of man, and you want to try to you want to try to bring to life a dead corpse? Not going to happen. It's the power of God and God's Holy Spirit that has to be upon you. And you've got it. He's, you, 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 can, you just got to tap into it and make sure that you're not going forth headstrong. You need spiritual power, Holy Ghost power. Because they must come into contact with the one true and living God, not your power, not my power. It's, it's called postage preaching. You can use a postage stamp once. And then that's it. You're done. You can't use it again. It doesn't matter if it still looks nice. You can't peel it off and put it on another. It's done. We don't do postage preaching. We do. I was going to say cash, but that, that's going out now, too. So this analogy might not even work that great, but we're <laughs> trying to get rid of cash. But cash, it don't matter how dirty it is. No matter how many times it's been used. It doesn't matter even if it's ripped. You just tape it together and it's supposed to. You can use it anywhere. It doesn't matter if it's passed to here. Your sister passed it to here. Passed it to here. Goes to kids. Goes to another state. Comes back. You can keep using it. That's the word of God. It doesn't matter how many times it's been used. It never goes out. Never goes out of style. It's always going to do what God said it was due. So there's power working upon you and upon me as a believer. It's come upon you, and we need to speak as a witness for God, and we not we, we need not rely on personal power. Here's what Spurgeon said. Here's a quote from Spurgeon. Often. When I have had doubts suggested by the infidel, it's a shame Danny's not here tonight. He likes Spurgeon. I have been able to fling them to the winds with utter scorn because I am distinctly conscious of a power working upon me when I am speaking in the name of the Lord, infinitely transcending any personal power of fluency and far surpassing any energy derived from excitement such as I have felt when delivering a secular lecture or making a speech. So utterly distinct from such power that I am quite certain it is not of the same order or class as the enthusiasm of the politician or the glow of the orator. I thought that was pretty good by Spurgeon. So what he's saying, natural gifts aren't it. Natural talents fail, but the power of God doesn't. Holy Spirit's come upon us. We need to make sure we don't make the cross of Christ of none effect through the wisdom of our words. You shall re receive power. Look at it like this. Rainy day. You set out. 
your pitcher and you just let the rain fall and, and the rain will just fill that pitcher up. And then it will start to overflow. It's the power coming down from above that should fill your life and it should overflow out of your life into others. But it's nothing we do. It's all of him bringing it down on us. We get so overflowed that this goes out to somebody else. So the six things the Holy Spirit will do to help you, especially when witnessing the lost, will lead you, go before you, will have a word behind thee, be with you always, will dwell within you, and will be upon you. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.